0: TX Ahead, presented by the Austin Business Journal, exploring the future of Austin and the challenges we face. Brought to you by Cascadia Capital, the investment bank of choice for business leaders, the business litigation law firm of Kane and Scarnulis, and by Trimbuilt Construction, building Austin since 1984. Fortieth.
1: That's Austin's ranking on the latest Best Places to Live list from U.S. News & World Report. It was 39 spots behind overall number one, Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's 30 places behind Fayetteville, Arkansas, 23 places behind Albany, New York, one spot behind Washington, D.C., and one ahead of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. These lists are always good conversation fodder. Austin was a perennial frontrunner for years. And they are used by realtors, site selectors, and economic development officials. But do journalists make too much of these lists? Are they actually impacting life and business in Austin? To help answer that question, I brought back ABJ editor Colin Pope to chat on the ATX Ahead podcast. Welcome, Colin. Hey, Will. Pleasure to be here. So as I was saying, we typically write stories about these lists. Lots of people do. And Austin was a front runner for years. From 2017 to 2019, we were number one. We slipped to five. We slipped to 13 last year. Now this year, we're at number forty on this list. The reason I wanted you to come on because you predicted a lot of this. You talked about it during our North Austin Growth Summit that ABJ held in April when you said it's natural for cities to fall up and down this list and to fall especially after you've been on top for so long. It's impossible to stay on top. Could you go over those points you were making and reiterate what business leaders
2: should know about these rankings? Yeah, honestly, I do. I do think it has uh, been pretty predictable. And I started kind of telling people what to expect um, a little over 20 years ago. That's when Austin started showing up prominently on all of these best places to live, best places to work lists. And, you know, there's and U.S. News and World Report tends to put out one of the more credible lists out there. And so we've always really paid uh, a lot of attention to their list um, and a lot of other lists out there, of course. They they
1: um, use statistics at U.S. News like you know it's federal data around crime, education, quality of life, which is you know can be subjective, but um, business, GDP, things like that.
2: So you know we we've looked
1: at the methodology and determined that it is robust.
2: Yeah. and that's an important point to mention because you talked about. I mean, we journalists need to be held as accountable as anybody else, perhaps even more so. And so you know one of the things that we've looked at at the Austin Business Journal over the years is. Okay, this company uh, NerdWallet or some, you know, longstarter.com, I remember used to put out these uh, these reports and, on uh, best cities and we're very judicious in terms of which lists we pick up cuz right now it's a, you know, for the past really 10-20 years it's been a content marketing game and people, you know, and uh, there's no shortage of sources of lists nowadays and so we really pick and choose the ones that um, you know, have good methodology behind them. And are coming from credible sources such as U.S. News and World Report. So yeah, about 20 years now I've been talking about it. And what I was warning people about 20 years ago, I said these lists are going to probably have ramifications bigger than you are considering right now. People do read these lists and and it does put you on a map and it makes you the cool kid in many respects. And so we started seeing that right around the turn of the century, uh, late 1990s early 2000s, like you said, the late 1990s, I started seeing Austin and we were reporting, oh boy, last year, Austin was number 20 on the list. Now we're number five. And then the next year we were number one and we, we held the number one, I think, ranking for a couple of years even. And so I really impressed upon people and I said, I implore you to heed what these lists are telling not just the country, but the world that Austin is a good place to be. And people really listen to that. And we've really never had a problem with attracting people to Austin. We tend to grow double our population every 20 years, and we have for the past 100 plus years. And so, you know, way before U.S. News and World Report was putting out these things, Austin was considered oh, uh, you know, kind of a darling place to come. What I've seen from the you know even this year's report, if you look at the number ones, you know, the top 10, top 20 of these uh, cities that typically tend to do well. Nine out of ten times it's gonna be a mid-size city, maybe like a tier two city that is just on the cusp of making it's it to blow up starting to yeah, starting to attract attention. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, I've been saying that we passed that big city status already, you know, sometime in the past, you know, 10, 10 to 20 years, Austin has gone from in many respects from a tier three city in some in some circles to a tier one city. And so, you know, what we need to do now is just recognize that big cities usually don't find a place and a home at the top of these lists. And the things that are really going to hold us back is the affordability front and the um, the traffic. I mean, those two things right there are big metrics and factors in what U.S. News and World Report puts together and we are not going to get our affordability back i'd still argue we're still you know relatively affordable to compared to places like uh, california but our medium home cost here in austin is higher than the national average and so we're always going to get dinged by that we're never going to be able to go back on that same with commuting we're never going to be able to go back on that
1: yeah you can't go back to that sleeper status right like the median oh. price isn't going to we we're at about $467,000 median price for an Austin home in May, you're not gonna
2: fall back you know, to the 300s, um, certainly not very quickly. No, well, you hope you don't, but it is possible. And that's what I would say is the worst case scenario right there is we go the way of say Detroit, Michigan. We saw, boy, they found affordability pretty fast, didn't they, but at what cost?
1: The collapse of manufacturing, right? So, so you right. lose a whole industry or something. And that's why um, economic development folks often talked about the diversification of the economy when you're bringing in uh, companies, relocations, things like that.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to point out to the listeners here that, you know, the top cities for U.S. News and World Report this year are Green Bay, Wisconsin, number one, Huntsville, Alabama, you know, an up-and-comer, Raleigh, Durham, um, you know, arguably where Austin was maybe 10 years ago, and now you're seeing them in a number three spot where Austin was about 10 years ago. Boulder, Colorado, that's a city that's been able to kind of be an evergreen participant in these lists, but Sarasota, Florida, Naples, Florida, Charlotte, Colorado Springs, Colorado, Fayetteville, Arkansas, Madison, Wisconsin, and look at where they're at, you know, in terms of size and everything else. And in culture too, they're at where Austin was maybe roughly 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, it's rotational, right? So um, so it's kind of changing the mindset about Austin as an emerging market, right? Like we see on like the ULI report where Austin was kind of pegged as one of the best emerging markets. Remember for a few years, Colin, we've reported on on that status. And I wonder if we've jumped right. from being the top of the emerging market class to being somewhere in there with, with the major markets. Um, obviously, we're still much smaller than even Dallas, Houston, but Austin is now the 10th largest city. It's a major, major metro area, about, you know, 2 million people. And so it's interesting to think about changing that mindset, which I think is ultimately the most interesting part of these U.S. news rankings. They don't mean anything changes overnight about the quality of life here, but they reflect a kind of the thought about a city, about a place at a certain time.
2: They do. They do. And to each their own. What I find fascinating is, you know, this this bigger question we always ask ourselves Has Austin gotten better. You know over the years is it and, and there was something that i wanted to really uh drill down on and that was um I, I heard it the other day it was somebody somebody said austin is where young people come to retire and i think as long as you know we're hitting on that um, as long as we're a place where young people want to be this city will be one of the great cities. And I think that's where I almost want to put a bumper sticker on my car that says, uh, don't Sun City my Austin. So, you know, we hear a lot of complaints about our town right now. um, And I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of those complaints come from 40, 50, 60, 70 year olds uh, who just don't care as much for the city that they used to know. My son is 22 years old and I ask him all the time, I say, son, do you like the city that we've been you know, building for you? Do you want to move somewhere else? And no, he doesn't. He can't. Wild horses. He's like me when I was in my 20s. Wild horses can't drag me you know, away from this town. And so, you know, I think as long as, you know, the 20 somethings believe that this is a good place to be, that is a very good litmus test in terms of whether or not we really are one of the best cities to live in. You've got a front row view. You have that Gen Z. I do. And I really value their perspectives. And, you know, sure, I listen to my elders. And now that sometimes that means listening to people who are, you know, my age I've always said it that, you know, we need to be building this city for the next generation. And, you know, that's not always and I look at it and I say we're doing a pretty darn good job. I mean, yeah, we've got our issues with affordability and traffic and some quality of life issues. But when we examine, for instance, quality of life, I tell my son all the time, I said, yeah, when I was your age, there was one place to go to party at night. And that was 6th Street downtown. And I ask him, hey, what are you doing tonight? Oh, we're going over to the domain or we're going to do this in East Austin or South Austin has got a, a, a hopping, uh, you know, night scene now. And so, yeah, we have gotten bigger. But I also and we we're trying to figure this out over the business journal. But, you know, I have chance to say that we we have uh, perhaps more bars and night spots, you know, per capita than we did 10 to 20 years ago. And that's important for our quality of life. frankly, the Googles of the worlds have been uh, attracted to Austin because of our little uh, bar scene, for instance, and our hike and bike trails and those types of things. So, you know, I've been very proud with the way that Austin has grown up.
1: Well, I think I mean, let's provide some context, right? Austin dropped to number 40 from number 13. Um, It's still number one in Texas.
2: Yeah. On that U.S. news list. It's big space, big space to be number one in. And so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, one thing that I continually harp on is affordability. And that is one thing that yeah. I think that, that is the number one thing that is uh, the, the number one threat to our economy right now.
0: ATX Ahead, presented by Cascadia Capital, the investment bank of choice for business leaders. Providing trusted financial advisory services to entrepreneurs, family business owners, and financial sponsors for more than 20 years. The business litigation law firm of Kane and Scarnulis PLLC, handling high profile, high stakes, and mission critical matters for you and your business. Learn more at cstrial.com and by Trim Built Construction, building Austin since 1984. Visit us at TrimBuilt.com or call 512-689-7881. Let's start the conversation about your project.
1: We've consistently said at ABJ, identified from others, from our own reporting, just that the two biggest challenges are affordability and traffic, if you talk about, because those then directly impact quality of life, where you can afford to live, where your kids go to school. Right. And I brought up earlier that median housing price was about 467,000. So over four and a half big ones, right? Yeah. So that compares to about 405,000 in Dallas, looking at the latest MLS data reported to the Texas a and Real Estate Center. So it's cheaper in Dallas, 405,000 is the median home price there. In Houston, it was 332,000. And in San Antonio it was about 320. Now Austin's median price 10 years ago was 228,000. So 228 to 467, we've doubled in 10 years from May 2013 to May 2023. Dallas has more than doubled. You know, Dallas has grown a lot too. So we've grown along with the rest of the state. $467,000 is a high median home price. But it's lower than a lot of the places you're going to find in California, like Silicon Valley. It's lower than Washington, D.C. It's lower than a lot of places that are, quote, the big cities that that we're now in that club of. So, um, yes, it's changed a lot. But like I said, Dallas has more than doubled in that time frame as well. So affordability has been a challenge. And that feeds directly into traffic and how far people have to live and commute to get into their jobs. So. What's happening on those fronts? What do recent headlines indicate to you? Are we getting better or worse on those? Yeah,
2: well, I mean, you know, with affordability and traffic, like I said, it, we're just, you can't put that genie back in the bottle. And our your commute that you made today, or maybe it was an off day, but on average, our commutes will only get longer from here on out. Now there are some things that we're doing. I like how the city is uh, diversifying its business hubs geographically. There's this attitude, rightly so, that hey, we can't all go downtown to work, you know, every day. And so, by having these uh, big hubs like the Domain and and some others that are coming online, those are the things that the private sector is doing, you know, that can help alleviate the issues. But you know, aside from having some sort of world changing problem like the pandemic that we just encountered which did drop down commute times you know cuz nobody nobody was really going anywhere you know again you don't want that you don't want those drastic drops so and I don't think so we don't want the drastic drops and you can't really even expect um in mass in total here on average for commute times to get lower or for housing prices to get lower. Now, of course, I'm saying this where we're reporting that housing prices year over year are actually down. But again, that's coming off of a big anomaly and that that pandemic really accelerated things and threw us off raised home prices way faster than they needed to and it also dropped commute times to an artificial level as well. So the uh, private sector and then you know there's there's certain things that City Hall is doing on the zoning front that will allow people to live closer to where they work which is going to help out again on the affordability and the traffic front. So a lot is being done and I think that obviously after working for the Austin Business Journal for 20 plus years I am a big believer and respect the free market. And one thing that I have come to recognize is that we are the free market. I am the free market. Will, you're the free market. Whoever's listening right now, you are the free market. And you are the ones that has the ability often to change the you know trajectory of things. And so I'll use myself as an example. My wife had bought uh, about 20 years ago a uh, home in uh, Boise, Idaho that we've been renting out. And um, we've just uh, turned over the tenant. We had to ask ourselves, what do we want to rent this place out for? And Boise is a city like Austin that has uh, really been suffering with affordability problems pretty much as much as Austin has. And, you know, we found ourselves in a position to where I was able to say, uh, when I typed in the, you know, the home address on Zillow and Zillow tells me, you can rent this house out for 2300 bucks a month, no doubt. I could have, however, I chose to, um, to reduce the rent by 20% because I've got the ability to do that as a landlord. And me personally, I think the home prices in Austin, Texas and Boise, Idaho should be about 20% less than what they are today. And I think a lot of people would agree with that and would want that. And so how do you achieve that? You gotta do things like this. And, um, you know, it's there's 90% of the millionaires in the world uh, make their money off of real estate. There's a lot of money to be made in real estate. And so this conscious capitalism idea that we've talked about in other industries, not so much in real estate, I think that there is a, uh, it's incumbent on, on us who have the ability to affect change that we wanna see. And you wanna see prices you know, lower, maybe 20% down, that's one of the things that has to happen on an individual and a mass level. And I will say it was so, I don't know about liberating. I don't know what the, I got a rush though. When I entered in, when Zillow said rent this property for $2,300 and I, I put in 1950 is what I put in 18% difference drop there. And I knew when I did that, when I put that 1950 into the Zillow database that the algorithms were starting to change for that neighborhood and then maybe for the city. And you know, the next time somebody tries to rent a home in that neighborhood, I might've just made rent a little bit cheaper, you know, for the folks. And it it was so excruciatingly heartbreaking to, to hear the stories of these families that wanted to rent this place, the trouble that they had. One lady had four landlords sell out from under her in the past three years because it was so hot and they wanted to cash in and and sell the home. And and I was literally dealing with people, families on the verge of homelessness. So I just felt it was the right thing to do. Financially, we were able to do it. And, um, you know, I hope it gets us a little further. It doesn't really help Austin, Texas out so much. I can only do so much. Don't own a rental property in Austin. It's uh, cost prohibitive for me, but we were able to pick up something outside of Boise a while back.
1: I think one of the interesting efforts on that front is the Affordable Central Texas Nonprofit that oversees the Austin Housing Conservancy Fund and yeah. uh, David Steinwedel, former ULI head, local ULI head. And yeah, they basically have a, an investment fund that has family office money and high net worth individual monies and they invest in housing that they try to keep affordable. So it's like 40 or 50% lower yeah. than the median rent is what they charge so that they can, over 10 years, like a long term, you, you there's equity that builds up that you can make money off of, but the idea is that it's to invest for a greater good, not the most possible return on investment. So um, an- another private sector approach similar to your own.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it's gonna take that. And it's, you know, there's no silver bullet. It's gonna, you gotta attack this from all angles. And um, there are some really good people and we've given some ink to them in the pages of the Business Journal who are stepping up to, you know, say this is a, this is a real problem. People need homes. It's very, very heartening to see that, but boy, what a uh, big beast to try to, to tackle <laughs> and kill. Yes, and uh, we will never do it fully. All we can do is our best.
1: I think that sometimes we do make too much of these lists, like the best cities to live. But it does reflect an underlying current, right? In an opinion, in a similar vein, the power poll that's done by former Statesman columnist Ken Herman recently yeah. uh, surveyed, you know, a few hundred leaders, business leaders, government leaders, academics, as he does every month. He asked these power poll members if Austin was better or worse. You know if Austin was getting better or worse, and 60% said Austin was worse than it used to be. 27% said the same, 13% said it was better. So I guess, I think I might know your answer, Colin, but like full stop, you've been in Austin for
2: 20 plus years? Oh yeah, it's still over 30, yeah. 30, 30 plus, plus years. years. Yeah. Is Austin better or worse? Well, I mean, I guess number one, it's almost an unfair question because you're just basically saying which is better, this apple or that orange. You know, it's apples and oranges we're we're comparing here to a large extent. Now, I'm not surprised by those PowerPoll numbers, for instance, because look at the PowerPoll participants. They're influential older people who, again, I like to listen to. They enjoyed their, you know, their younger days perhaps you know, better than their later days uh, in some respects. And so you always get nostalgic. And so you have to take out the nostalgia of it all, which is so, you can't, you can't methodology, you know, you can't really take that out of the equation. And so you're always going to get fuzziness when you come to talking about, quote, old Austin. That's why all you can, you know, the best thing that you can do is you can ask people who are 20 and 30 year olds, what do you think of this town? Because that's who this town really should be, situated towards and so yeah until until uh yeah mr Harmon starts interviewing you know (laughs) all these gen z's and millennials and even younger folks out there you're not going to get a true you know a true beat on things and by the way this is nothing new for our town affordability and traffic and quality of life have have for 100 years been listed as the top potential deal killers for this city and so the more things change the more they stay the same
1: Growth has been the constant in Austin. People want to ask, what's it been like? Well, it's been like it's always been. It's been growing and, and, uh, things keep changing here. And, um, yep. it kind of likes to, to reinvent itself, you know, every, every few decades.
2: There are neat documentaries of old Austin. Neil Spells did some neat ones back in the day and um, they're online if you can find them on the Texas uh, Commission like the Moving Image Commission or something they've got some archives where you can find videos uh, uh, documentaries on Austin from the 1960s or even from the 50s and it's of Neil going out there and interviewing people and wouldn't you know there's a lot of older people who said boy this city's just gone to hell in a handbasket <laughs> It's hor-. and this it, it, it was in the 1960s and you know of course the people who grew up here in the 60s oh Austin was best in the 60s so there's some consistency there that you have to mind with our inconsistency as humans I guess you could say
1: it really speaks more to human nature these lists than Austin itself I think it behooves people to know their history though and uh and to think about as you said ways they can contribute to the big issues that are facing this city so thank you Colin thank you for joining us on the ATX Ahead podcast and
2: hope you have a good day been a pleasure thanks Will
0: ATX AHEAD, presented by the Austin Business Journal, exploring the future of Austin and the challenges we face. Brought to you by Cascadia Capital, the investment bank of choice for business leaders, the business litigation law firm of Kane and Scarnulis, and by Trim Built Construction, building Austin since 1984.